Welcome everyone to another episode of Orthopod. Uh, I'm here with Professor Rebecca Ivers, who is head of the School of Public Health and Community Medicine at the University of New South Wales, Australia. Rebecca, welcome. Hi, Mo. Nice to see you. So we now are amidst uh, 3.2 million cases around the world with 200 and roughly 28,000 deaths. How does Australia compare? Well, Australia is looking pretty good. Um, we've got around, we, we have, as of yesterday, 6,753 cases and 91 deaths. So, yeah, and we are certainly on the decline. We're really at the bottom of the curve right at the moment. So what do you think has happened differently um, there? I mean, has there been a very calculated and strong response? What's been the difference? Look, I think there has been a really strong response. What what happened? And I, you know, I was looking back at the um, dates. I was in Sweden at the um, at the Ministerial Road Safety Conference at the end of February, and I came back on the plane at twenty third of February. Yeah. And it turns out a week later, and that was really when things were just starting to heat up. If you look at our graphs, we were just starting to see cases in Australia around that time. I mean, it turned out later that week, I found out that I'd actually been exposed twice in that week, once on a plane, once at a uh, university conference I'd been at. And so I, I actually went and got tested very, very early on in the piece. But pretty quickly um, things, you know, the, the state governments and the federal government actually started to realise that it was pretty serious. So. Whilst um, the you know restrictions so putting people into isolation didn't really happen for a couple of weeks after that, um, and and really the peak of our of our curve was around the middle of March, so around a month ago, we've had an eight week period, and so that first month when the cases were really ramping up really quite dramatically, and it was it was actually very concerning. There was a huge amount of media attention every single day. Everyone in the country was looking at the numbers and going, "Our curve is like Italy." You know, yeah. this this isn't great, and we could just see those numbers going up, and you know, everyone was watching and looking at the doubling rate and seeing how many days it was before we were doubling. And really, I think there was a really heightened sense of anxiety. And then, basically, what happened? It was it became clear very early on that most of our transmission was actually coming from overseas cases. So there was a lot of transmission from people getting off international flights. So what happened was that we immediately started doing contact tracing. So the health departments were mobilised, but then we also put people in quarantine so early on uh, we put people in quarantine we said home isolation if you get off a plane go home don't go out for two weeks now that's a really tricky thing to do we know and, and I think there's experience from SARS that it just doesn't work people just don't take it seriously they think oh look it's okay I'm just popping down the road to get some groceries so, yeah. you know, I really do need to go to the doctor you know that, that's yeah. okay surely and so you know, once once we realised that that wasn't going to work, what actually happened was that we put all international travellers off flights into hotel quarantine for two weeks and the government paid for it. So then we saw people basically getting off international flights and then going straight into hotels or caravans or, you know, wherever we could put them and be quarantined for two weeks. And that really, really just shut it down. We also, we had pretty strong uh, social isolation and, oh, I should call it physical isolation. Everyone was reminded about the one and a half metres. People who had essential jobs were allowed to go to work, but pretty much everyone was told stay at home unless you have to go to work, um, unless you are a frontline worker, you can go out to get your grocery shopping, you can go out to exercise, you can go out to get healthcare, you can't do anything else. You can't go and visit your family, you can't go out in gatherings, you know, don't go to university. Yeah. 
And I think, I mean, all of that, you know, every, every, many other countries have done that. But what, what we've done that's been, I think, particularly successful is the contact tracing. So we've immediately mobilised these huge teams of contact tracing. So we've got cases and then people have just got on the phone and basically sat there going, who have you had contact with, followed them up and isolated them. And I oh, think that's, that's my difference. Yeah, and I, and I think I think the big challenge is, so, so have you seen the issue in the healthcare system? Um, you know, Canada, New York, overwhelmed, Italy, overwhelmed, you know, and, and the concern around, I mean, the focus, the focus really became about, you know, personal protective devices and ventilators, um, rather than just to stop it and the stop it, stop it, stop it. Um, what, what was the feeling there in the healthcare system? Well, I mean, look, we had exactly the same issue and, of course, terrible anxiety. We've been, you know, absolutely repairing. People have been running around going, where do we get personal protective equipment from? We're like everyone else. We ran out of hand sanitizer, all of the, you know, the basic materials, even if we made them, were being shipped overseas and we weren't keeping them. So we had to actually look at that and say, well, what have, what have we got? I think in terms of pandemic planning for the future, we will all be sitting down and saying, what do we need to be self-sufficient in the future? That's the really important lessons. But if you come back to the WHO advice, um, yep. you know, the WHO advice was isolate, but it was also contact trace. And not not every and every no. people haven't actually taken that seriously. And I think fundamentally that's the difference. But but also testing, very, very high rates of testing. We suffered like many other countries in the early phases because we just didn't have enough capability to do those tests, enough tests early on. Um, and you know, we like others were testing people who were symptomatic. So and testing people who like and you know you couldn't actually get tested unless you had gotten off an international flight or you had a confirmed contact with an active case, which really in hindsight is ridiculous because, you know, it's actually community community transmission is really the thing that's of most concern because that's where the virus really gets out of control when you've got, you know, un, un, you know untapped spread in the community. I think you used the word that you think you've handled it pretty well. And uh, what happens now as the world thinks of reopening? Um, you know, there's always this concern about, okay, well, if we open too soon, we're gonna have a wave. Um, you look like you pretty well managed the issue, um, but what's next? Well, like, what's the concern about reopening, and you know, and when will that happen? Well, we're starting to reopen now. So there's certainly been some states in Australia that have started to reopen where they just haven't had new cases for a few days or they've just had a couple. And we've only had very low uh, community transmission the last couple of days. We're starting to cautiously open up. I think from tomorrow, we can actually go and have two adults visit another household for the first oh. time. Um, okay. So, you know, that, that seems quite exciting that I can go and have dinner at my sister and brother-in-law's yeah. house with my yeah. husband. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it will have to be very cautious and it will be very conservative. And there's a huge amount of concern here because we're very well aware that we're likely to get a second wave. Um, we still do have some community transmission. It's reasonably under control. I mean, it's very much under control. We've got very, very low level of cases. But if you look at South Korea, that tail at the end is very long and you know really we could put in place these um, these restrictions could go on for months. Now, the community is not going to tolerate that. So. Yeah. But really, we have to say, well, open up. I, we're not going to be seeing music festivals or, you know, mass people, you know, games, that, you know, sporting games. I don't think universities are going to be opening up. Um, we, you know, we're all running all of our courses online. I think, you know, we might start thinking about getting people back into wet labs and doing a few experiments under very controlled circumstances. But it's going to be very slow, very conservative and it's also going to have the potential to turn around quickly. So if we get that second wave and we have to actually turn reverse everything can go back in and say, no, we're not quite ready. 
and you know the reality is that that's probably what's going to happen you know remembering australia now we're just going into winter so that's normally when we would see you know additional flu transmission so yeah. you know it's unavoidable really what do you make um what do you make of of this debate around that you know that that we're overcalling the attributable mortality to COVID and that you know previous flus have also had mortality and maybe people are dying generally from issues but now we're attributing it to COVID is, is there has there been any sort of discussion around around the accuracy of the estimates we're getting and there seems to be a lot of debate around we're missing a lot of cases too yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you're missing a lot of cases and because you're not actually testing um, and you've had rampant community transmission, particularly in the US and the UK, no one's really got any idea because, it, you know, what we've got to remember is that it's a really, it's a very contagious virus. And I think that's what's really frightened everyone is that when people have actually seen, you know, people picking it up so easily. I mean, here in Australia, we've got nursing homes where we've just, we've had dozens of people die within nursing homes. And it's, I know that's the case in the US and luckily in Canada as well. Um, it's, it's much, much worse than the flu. And because we're testing, we know that people are actually dying of COVID. This is not the flu. Um, so right. I think, you know, obviously it's difficult to say in the US or Canada or the UK where your testing rates aren't quite so high, but, you know, it's, it, is quite a different, it is quite a different disease. And I think it is quite apparent to clinicians when they're looking after patients that they're not, they're not dying of the flu. It's actually, it presents in quite a different way. And to mitigate risks, I presume that you don't see yourself traveling outside. I know you're, uh, as we all are, you're traveling a lot uh, as part of your, you know, your just daily life. Um, when do you see yourself back uh, in a plane again? <laughs> look, I don't want to get on a plane. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, it's, a really, it's a really interesting question. I, I mean, I, I think... For us here in Australia, we've got a number of countries in the region where it's reasonably under control. So I, I can imagine that we might have some travel with uh, New Zealand, um, you know, parts of China, Hong Kong, um, Taiwan, Singapore, South Korea, um, you know, mainland China, you know, in the not too distant future, but that's going to be about it. We're not going to be, I don't think we're going to be seeing travel to North America or the UK or Europe. I mean, without a lot of restrictions. And I, I can't really see any travel being allowed into Australia without a two week quarantine period either. So, I mean, I think when you think you've got to actually quarantine for two weeks, potentially when you go somewhere and then when you come back, it's really got to be a pretty important meeting. And I can't, I have to tell you that none of my works, nothing that I do is really all that important. Well, well, you're very humble, but I, I would say that uh, beyond that, I think we're in the same boat. I don't see myself being on a plane in 2020 and possibly well into, you know, 2021. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, I think it's going to be a good 12 months. Yeah. Well, this is always, always interesting to get your insights. And again, you've brought some really new, new uh, thoughts to this whole process. And it's great to hear how Australia's been doing. Um, and all the best. Thanks very much.